welcome everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> Mark Warner. Uh, most people call me Monkey Butt, but today you're going to call me Mark Warner, and there's a reason for that. That's because this is my new show. Um, I've done this before, so it's not my first time. This is probably my first time I'm going to do it with one guest instead of multiple guests. Uh, but today, the show's uh, going to be about life and how we treat it, how we live it, how we breathe it, um, how we respect it. And uh, I've always been teaching myself. It's a motto that I've had, live life, don't let life live you. Um, always because the negativity in this world, there's no reason for it. Um, you're the only one that can change. And I believe that you can uh, take the positive um, better than what the negative gives you. And you're the only one that can control it. And if you do have negative, uh, figure a way to work around it and uh, make your life a little bit better than what it is today. Um, if you're depressed, something's not going your way. Um, if you take a second to breathe, just take a deep breath on it and realize it's not that big of a deal. However, that being said, we all have emotions. We do get upset and there are things that we get angry with, but you can control that. And there is a certain way that you can do that. I'm not going to be the one that's going to tell you how to do that. It's going to be different for everybody. I've learned a way to do it myself. And my guest today, Stuart Sachs has learned a way to do that himself as well for the last 70 plus years. It, here's the thing at the end of the day, we're all human. Everybody sees and says that there is multiple races out there. Well, maybe there is in the nationality of, of saying that you're black or you're white, or if you're saying that you're a Christian, you're non-Christian, or if you are Indian, African-American, white, whatever, Caucasian, whatever it is that you are, those are races, but there's really only one, and that's the human race. Um, I'm, I'm for one that don't see color. Um, I'm for one that don't see the negative in people. I see the positive first. The negative comes when you've distrusted, disrespected, misaligned your life in a way that it's it's just 100% negative. Um, then I choose not to be in that part. I choose to maybe help you a little bit. Maybe I can't. And if I can't, then I let you go. But if I can, then I'm going to be your friend. And my friend Stuart Sachs here today with me on this show is none other the same way with me. I see him. I've been with him for years now. Um, I see how him and Lauren live their life, and I see how he chooses to live his life. And I believe he's in a like-minded person to see that. So today's show is really kind of two things. Um, going to be a little different for me. And if you have any questions, feel free to comment down there below. Um, we're on YouTube and Facebook. And... Uh, yeah, I believe that's it. Um, but I will share this out there on Instagram, and it's on seven or eight different web pages. I'm not sure. It's all over the place. Uh, I saw that I could go live, and I went click, 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 and that's exactly where we went. So if you have any questions, make sure you comment below. But let's talk today to this gentleman right here, Stuart Sachs. I know. See, I had to do the same thing. Yeah. I was like, okay, so he's right it's, there exactly. because I'm looking at the screen. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's this way. So, yeah, so I have to look. To, I have to look to the right to turn left to see you. So you know what's kind of interesting. So the service that I use here, uh, which is Streamyard, if if nobody knows what I'm using, I'm using Streamyard. Um, and I know my camera is kind of on a low angle, guys. I have not finished up my studio, so my camera is is sitting right here. Uh, you can see a little part of it, but I haven't set it all up um, to be the best. So I'm using a webcam, but eventually it'll be there. Um, but, uh, and I'm hoping you can hear me good because my audio is not all professional either. It's the cam mic on that thing. Oh, sounds um, great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's, uh, it, it is, you, you work with the it's technology. Not, it's not how you say it. It's what you say. Hmm. See, now if people could say that more often, that's the taking a step back for a second and breathe, take a deep breath and realize the situation you're in. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Stuart, there's, uh, you know, there's, I want to kind of just back up a little bit and, and get involved in Stuart's life for just a second because ooh. Ooh, we're going to dive a little deep into maybe there's something you don't know. Um, I know Stuart for the last five plus years. Um, if you don't know, Stuart walked into my life. He moved to Frisco, Texas. Him and his wife ran a successful business for many years, decided to move with the grandchildren and decided to make home in Frisco, Texas and um, wanted to get back into radio. What a lot of people don't know is when I say get back into radio, he was in radio for a while um, before he served Vietnam 
And uh, before he uh, probably probably didn't even know that he was going to be in radio long term, but he served in that in that element. Uh, if you could tell us, there's something that's kind of a I won't say it's a secret, but a lot of people don't know where you actually started in your showbiz. Um, when you got into radio and it has to do with a big theme park and a big person and just a whole conglomerate of, of things that kind of was small back then, but in today's world, it's really huge. Well, and I will even back the clock up a little bit more. When I, uh, I studied broadcasting in college and, uh, of course that was in the sixties and the Vietnam war was at its height. Uh, I went in and put on the uniform and I served my country and I spent a year in Vietnam in 69 and 70. Uh, I had a lot of, a lot of duties when I was over there. I was with an ammunition uh, battalion and uh, uh, I did a lot of things for the troops. Uh, one of those things that I did is in my office, which was located in the back of the PX is I got a hold of a big, big, big boom box. And with the help of my sergeant, we wired uh, above the PX uh, a large antenna that would reach out on an FM frequency to all of the, the hooches and huts and all that were in the battalion. So in essence, I set up a pirate radio station. Hmm. Sound yeah. a little familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I played music at night. Uh, uh, the the guys could uh, could call in and tell us to say hello to their wives and uh, their kids, and we would send little information. And I did that probably for about six or seven months. Uh, ran this little pirate radio station. Well, fast forward, I get out of the service and I go to the movies and I see this movie with Robin Williams, and uh, and it's called. Good morning, Vietnam. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. He, he's living my story. But I did not know who Adrian Cranauer uh, uh, was. At the time, I did see a, a, a little write-up in the Stars and Stripes, which was the military publication we always, always got. But I just set up that radio station because I wanted to, and I wanted to do it for the sake of the troops. So that was my, my, like my dark past was that I think – that I actually broadcasted to my elite battalion before Adrian Cronauer went through the uh, Armed Forces Vietnam Network and broadcasted, uh, you know, uh, all over South Vietnam. Right. But so I served my country. I come back home and I decide where am I going to go? And I decided of all of the 48 contiguous states uh, at the time, uh, I picked two states that I thought I wanted to go to. One was South Dakota. And the other was Florida. So the, opposite, the polar opposites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, I ended up in Florida. I uh, got a job with a TV station in Orlando, Florida. Uh, this was in uh, 1970. Uh, and I was four years old, by the way. <laughs> but but you you knew who Mickey Mouse was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So in 1970, I went to, to Florida, and uh, while I was working at the TV station, which by, by chance happened to be an NBC affiliate, which was the, was the uh, network that the Wild World of Disney was on, uh, I was with the TV station for maybe a month and a half, and all of a sudden we started doing promos for this thing that was coming to Orlando uh, at Lake Buena Vista which nobody had heard of, right. but Lake Buena Vista little by little was the Disney organization buying up land all over Orlando. And they announced to the world that it was going to be the site of Walt Disney world. Well, meeting some of the people in promotions from Disney, I got a job with Disney and I worked with the entertainment division and my probably biggest cl claim to fame that most people don't know about me was when the park opened in October of 1971, I had been there about a year or so, and I was the first park announcer for Walt Disney World. I didn't see. I didn't know that. You never. I don't know that you shared that with me. I I I, I was that pleasant voice that came through all the loudspeakers that said, you know, uh, 
Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to Walt Disney World. <laughs> and then I would read the things that were going on. We used to bring in high school choirs and 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 bands uh, from all over uh, elite started with Florida and then around the country. And they would entertain every afternoon in front of Cinderella's castle. And I would do the promos prior to them coming. And then I would actually go down to a microphone stand in front of Cinderella's castle and introduce the band director uh, of the, the, or the choral director of the group that was going to be entertaining that afternoon. It was, it was fascinating. Um, uh, uh, it, it was, it was a, like a once in a lifetime type of a job. Uh, in between, I would go down into the catacombs underneath the underneath the park, and in fact, it was underneath Cinderella's Castle, where we had our studios, and we would record a lot of our promos. So that was wow. kind of my way of kind of getting back into into broadcasting early, uh, and then once uh, everything got established by about 1972. Uh, everything was running well at Disney World, and they decided they didn't need both a promotion arm in Florida and one in Anaheim, California. And uh, 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 Jack Armstrong, who was the the announcer in California and had been with them for decades, uh, <clears throat> decided that they didn't need the two the two separate studios and everything. Everything was going to be consolidated to California. And I never never really was ever a California fan. Yeah. Uh, so I decided, I decided, okay, I've had my fun and my, my, uh, uh got a nice, nice item on my resume. Right. Uh, I'm going to go back to Chicago and, and go back into radio in Chicago. And then I think a lot of people already know I got sidetracked with my, my family's business. They were in the women's fashion retail business. And I got into it for a year to help my father open a new store and the rest is history. I met my wife. Uh, we got married a year later. She came into the business and we expanded and operated that business for 40 years. Uh, so all, all along the way, I mean, whenever we did radio or television commercials for our businesses, uh, I would write the scripts. I would go down to the stations and I would do the recording. Right. And so that was the way I kind of dabbled in it. So Stuart, you know, you know what's interesting about you is that you You've been for years. You've been a really good host. You're a bad interviewer. <laughs> I, I maybe I should have said, let's back up. When were you born? And start going from there. Uh, you go. You just kind of gave everything up there. You, you uh, see you later, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks for knowing Stuart. No, no just kidding. Yep. <laughs> no, I got a question for you. So you know, yep. there's everybody's made a mistake in radio, right? And so I can't imagine the day when you are. Probably not the first day, but you're standing at that microphone and you know you've got to announce out to the park. But there are days when you're just not on key. You're just not on your point and you make a mistake and you might shimble the words up a little bit. Right. Did you did you ever do that to where you felt like uncomfortable then you, and, and you laughed about it? Or did you just turn around and go, well, OK, well, I won't do that again. Uh Probably the only time that I can remember in 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 the spotlight at least was um, working with Julie Andrews. She was there for the opening uh, of Disney World, uh, obviously because of Sound of Music and and right. all the other Disney productions and everything. So they invited Julie Andrews. Uh, Julie Andrews was not an easy person to work with. She was <laughs> very very demanding. You know, you you we've all heard the stories of 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 the movie stars and everything that have to have a particular kind yeah. of candy. They have to have something that's particular temperature in their in their trailer. And if they're not ready to come out, they're not coming out. Julie Andrews was basically that way. The opening the opening of Disney World in October of 1971 was over 10,000 participants. Wow. Uh, between the bands and the banners and all the people that participated, they brought in high schoolers from all over the state of Florida to, to be a part of this over 10,000 people and 10,000. They had, they, you know, and Disney is very militaristic. They operate boom, boom, boom. You know, it's very structured, which made it a little easier for me having come out of the, out of the military. They had 
the kickoff for this, we we practiced it for weeks. <laughs> yeah. Comes down to the day that the park is supposed to open and it was supposed to kick off, I believe, at high noon. Well, Miss Andrews was still in her trailer and she wasn't exactly ready. She had a little bit of a headache and she wanted to just lie down for a few minutes. And she's telling the big wigs and the and the the the, the heads of Disney, uh, I cannot go out there right now. And I mean you have never seen so many red faces because this thing is going to be broadcast to the world and she's holding it up. So I was told, go to Julie Andrews' uh, uh, trailer and please knock on the door and say, Miss Andrews, uh, if, is there anything we can do to help you to get to the stage a little bit uh, a little bit sooner? That was the one time in my life that I really regret having been born because I knew there was a lot on my shoulders. If I, if I, it could, could have turned out, she'd say, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm not doing it. Or she'd say, just give me one more minute or whatever. I was doomed whatever way, whatever answer yeah. she came up with. Right. Well, it just so happened when I knocked on the door, she opened up the door and she said, I'm ready. And she walked out. They put her in a golf cart. They took her over to, to behind the set. She was all all ready to go. And of course, I took credit for the whole thing. <laughs> That's funny. I, so I, I I, I've heard the stories. You know, a lot of actors are are good and bad both ways, right? They're always everybody's wanting demanding something. And I can't say that they do that when they first start their career. But you know, at some point, they get comfortable. And it's just what they want. You know, it's, give me, there's a lot of them that just want to uh, be pampered. They want the music and the food and everything brought to them in their trailer. They just want the tranquility and the quietness. And other people just, you know, just leave me alone. Just don't, don't do anything for me. Just, you know, and then others want to live on the set. They want to bring their home trailer and their home tra thing in there and, and just continue living the life that they've been living. And they just happen to go out the door and they got to work for a little while. And then right. come back in and they're back home again, right? Um, but so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a few questions, Stuart. Some of these are going to be, um, I'm going to put you on the spot and, um, I'm trying yep. give just, me your best shot. Just try your hardest to give me one word. Okay. One word. I don't need a sentence. I'm not looking for a sentence, but if you can't answer it in one word, then, then give the explanation of why you can't give one word. Okay. Okay. So. You have a friend that is wanting to introduce you to somebody and you, the person mentions their name. We'll just give a fictitious name out there. Um, his name is Andrew. What is the first thought that comes to your mind when you meet a person? Hmm. Their wow. fa face. Okay. Face. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to elaborate on that. Why? Why face? Because I think you could tell a lot by a person by their face, by when somebody introduces okay. me to somebody, you know, it's their facial reaction. Like they look at you like, oh, I don't really want to meet you. Or, well, hi, how are you? Out goes the hand and you shake hands and start the conversation. You could tell a lot by somebody's face. Face. So I totally agree with that. And there are times when I can't look at a person in their eye. And so mine is really kind of, more like mid waist and then I'll look down, look up because I'm looking at their demeanor. I'm looking at how they move. I'm looking if they got their hands or, or if they're, you know, not paying no mind, you know, and if they're not, well, guess what? I'm going to have the same attitude. I'm going to try and be positive. Uh, but I like, I like the face favorite color. Say that again. Favorite my, color. Favorite, my favorite color green. How long have you been married? 46 years. <laughs> not 46 years and six months <laughs> 46 years yeah it is about 46 years and six months <laughs> see i got you on that one right there hey, listen after after 40 who's 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 counting all right so i'm not looking for a perfect on this one but um a question was asked to me the other day and i see this on facebook all the time is you know how many states have you visited in your lifetime and i've i've personally visited 38 after i've looked at the list 48 really Wow. So what, what uh, two that you have not seen? I have not been to North Dakota and I have not been to Alaska. But you've been to Hawaii. Been to Hawaii. 
I went to Hawaii on R and R from uh, Vietnam. Wow. Okay. Um, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> really, not North Dakota. <laughs> There's a little bit of a back backstory to it because my father and mother they used to close the business every summer and take off for two, sometimes three weeks, and we would get in the car and we would travel around the country by car. So not only have I seen 48 states, but I've seen them from the ground. And, and I would encourage anybody to do that. It's easy to get on a plane and fly from here to Seattle to yeah. see the state of Washington, right. but to see the country that's in between. And so we would go to New England one, one summer, then we would go down to, to the Southeast, then we'd go to the North. But for some reason, we went through Minnesota and went down to the Badlands and to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota, and then went back up into Montana. So we skirted around North Dakota and never, never went back there. And then, and, uh, and Alaska was just too far to get to and get back in two or three weeks. So never, never made it there. But other than that, I've been to and through, uh, every other state in the country. So I, so I, how I got to a lot of states was not me actually going there. I mean, I went there, but my dad, when he retired from the service, um, when he, when the summer vacations came up, my dad, uh, was belonged to the 87 DRS. And at one time I, I, I may be off of the number, but there was like 450, maybe 750. It, it, I, I don't remember the number specifically, but it was a large amount of group of, we call it family reunion, even though it was the 87 DRS. And we would, uh, the guys would, or the team would pick a place to go and they would go like, we went to the queen, the queen Mary, um, the one in California, the one, the other, the first one. Right. right. And then we rented the whole boat and everybody on that boat, it was a three day pass that if you, if that person was walking to beside you, they were a part of that family and that, that, that reunion. And my dad would, that was it. We went to every, we went to all these different States. So, I've probably personally driven to maybe 12 to 15, but the other 20 was my dad driving around. Uh, in some states, we went twice, you know, California a couple of times, Florida a couple of times, Washington a couple of times, you know, it, it, we, in a lot of Colorado and a lot of Tennessee. Um, and uh, and that's because that's there, there was something that was good there and we would go back. I loved it. That's how I got to do it. You know, and I, and I encourage people, you know, people will say to me, you know, don't you want to go to South America or Central America, Europe and all? I don't have that much of a desire to do that. I mean, and I would encourage anybody that before you decide to do that, see the country that you live in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this I is a magnificent that. country. There are some incredible parks uh, to, to see um, and, and history. Um the one goal that I had was on my bucket list for years and years and years uh, was Route 66 that, ah. goes, that goes from Chicago to uh, Santa Monica, California. Yep. And I'd say it's probably about four years ago, uh, Lauren and I got in the car and we drove to Santa Monica. To We went to see a friend in, in L.A. and went to Santa Monica and we drove back from Santa Monica to Oklahoma City that part of Route 66, which a lot of that no longer exists because right. Highway 40 kind of replaces the old road. Right. Uh, then about a year later, we, we drove to Chicago to see our daughter, and we decided on the way back, let's go from Chicago to Oklahoma City and then back home. Uh, and so we, we completed Route 66, and uh, the, the leg from Chicago through Missouri – and uh, into Arkansas and 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 uh, Oklahoma is there's a lot more of the, the history of Route yeah. 66, but it's a grand I, old grand old road. I've been on some of that in Missouri. Most of what I've been on is probably been New Mexico, Colorado area, and even some in Oklahoma. Because when we would leave Frisco to go up to our cabin in Colorado, we would go up that way. And there's a couple of towns that are in that way that we would go pass through the Route 66. We go to a couple of diners on the road and. It's kind right. of cool. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you did that. It's good, good times. I know you, you, yeah. you'd do it again if you could. They, they said another, another great road is uh, highway 41 highway 41 that goes from uh, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, the very tip of, of Wisconsin uh, all the way to uh, Miami, Florida. And that's highway 41. 
And okay. in fact, Highway 41 goes right through Indiana, two blocks from where I grew up. Never heard of that one. Yep. US 41. By the way, we've had Brandon on here. He uh, he commented earlier. I've been meaning to go back to that. What's up, guys? Man, now he is by an ocean. <laughs> yeah, he, wants to, he wants to know, how, 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 how am I by the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, live, living a good life here. We were talking about that, Brandon, because that scene back there, I mentioned that that was the Mackinac, and he said, no, that's the Mackinac. And yeah. <laughs> that's like, no, it's if you're up here north where I live in Michigan, it's the Mackinac Bridge, it's the Mackinac Island, and, uh, you know, it's not the Mackinac. You, you tell that to uh, an islander there, and they'll probably just throw you in the water. And they uh, won't sell you any fudge. They won't serve you anything. Yeah, yeah. you pronounce it correctly. You yeah. Uh, what's your first car? My first, I'm sorry? Your first car. My first car was a 1959 Oldsmobile Super 88. It was my wow. father's car for, oh, what, three, three four years. And when he, uh, I was a senior in, in college and I needed a car. It had 110,000 miles on it, and he was getting another car, and uh, I couldn't afford another one. So uh, he, I got that car, and I drove it down to college. And on the way home for the next uh, for the next uh, uh, holiday, it blew up. Oh, oh! So I learned that car. And if anybody ever remembers. You know, the cars from around 19, 1959 and everything, they make a Hummer look like a, a like a, a, a Toyota. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they were massive. Yes, yeah, so large. You could put a party in the back of the trunk and keep on going down the road. Absolutely. And if you had one, you could get a party, especially well, when you go to the drive-in movie. And some of those cars, you know, you could have put somebody back there. You could have put the kids back there. I've been in a little little uh, mini living room for them, book room and stereo center. You could have built. I've seen pictures where people have built different areas in their cars for that because they're so large yep. and they're so big. Yeah, I had a '71 Trino, so I had the. Um, I always ask, you know, how many bodies could you put back there? Um, <laughs> well, seven comfortably. <laughs> you know, ten would be a crowd. <laughs> Was that the one that was in the movie movie Grand Torino? Yeah, that was my, 71? That was a 73, I believe. Oh. Or it could have been a 70. I, can't I had a 71 Torino GT. Um, it was in the family. My my brother's wife's family. They were the original, her father. And then my brother got it. And then that was my first car. So You still have an antique auto. I do. I have a 72 Olds Cutlass uh, Rocket 455, 442 convertible. And, um, yep, I brought it here with me to Michigan. Sits in a storage right now since I don't really have a garage. Um, and there's and, somebody that's watching this show right now and saying, what's an Oldsmobile? So that's the interesting thing. So my dad, <laughs> I, I don't know that my dad's – I really honestly can't tell you if my dad ever owned a Ford or a Chevy. Um, as far as I've ever known, my dad loved Oldsmobile, General Motors to be precise, right? Um, but we went through a lot of station wagons because there was three of us kids. And so every time my dad would drive a station wagon for a while, then he would get another station wagon. Yeah. I, I only remember like three station wagons the entire time that I was growing up because dad would drive them. Um, but his Vista Cruiser was the, was the best one because it was the luxury model and um later the motor blew up because we put so many miles on it and uh, yep <laughs> and uh i think he had like a i want to say a 350 or something like that in there and we went to a 455 and i remember going to uh, branson missouri and it was our first trip and dad was complaining out the yin yang because gas was just going through that sucker and you know, it's just like he, he would. I would. And that, be and that's when that's when gas was what thirty nine cents a gallon. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so my dad was. If you thought it was difficult to get your dad to stop to go to the restroom, okay. And in this car, we had to cruise because we knew the gas was just going flowing just right, and we were getting good gas miles. We had to stop and start. Then he was going to get angry with it. So we only stopped when he had to stop. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyways. Um, okay. So let's go. What year were you married? 1974. 
awesome year. Awesome year. It was getting better and better. <laughs> yep. 74 was good. 75 was better. 76 was better. <laughs> and, and, and each, each year after that gets even better and better and better. And now I'm just, I'm just praying we make it to 50. What is your favorite word? I have to think about that. Right? Somebody asked me that the other day. And mine's, while you're thinking about it, mine was, mine's always, uh, I'll say, that's good. Or it's good. My wife asked me how dinner is. It's good. It depends on how I say it. It's good. Or it's yeah. good. Oh, you didn't you, like it? Saying, a, a, a word that you use often? Yeah, a word you use all the time. Your favorite word? Uh, outstanding. Outstanding. I, I use that word a lot. Where was a phrase was if, if anybody's asking, I'm outstanding. Oh, yeah, or, or outstanding and out, a person who's outstanding in their field. Yeah. And a picture of a guy who's outstanding in a field. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So this one's going to be a little bit more uh, question than asking. So this show is really about live life. Don't let life live you. And the reason I brought you on this show today was because I believe you have the same philosophy and the same mentality that I see in people. Um, I try not to see the negative in people. Um, sometimes it's very easy to see that negative because their demeanor, their attitude, their, their posture, the, uh, the words that come out of their mouth, you know, there's, it's, you, you just, you want to think different about them, but when they just blow it up right in front of you, it's, it's all you got. Right. Um, but one of the things that I think you do that I do a lot, and that is when you meet somebody, there's a connection, there's a bond that starts to happen. And each person, you're going to find that different bond and different connection. No two are the same. But the one go-to thing that you probably always do, and if it's like me, I try to find where they're at in life. I, I want to try, I don't want to get to the, I'm not a therapist. I don't want to get to the nuts and bolts, but I see a sadness or I see a, a not happy. I see something that's just not right. And I want to make that happy. I want to figure out what that is. Um, and that's how I end up making friends is because I will, I will help them out along the way to try to figure out, do you, have you found yourself in that situation? Cause I think I've seen how you connect over the years with people. Um, and I've seen how you bring a light to people, but I also see that you, you try to digress a little bit in the conversation if you see something that maybe is not set right with you. Well, absolutely, because I think to 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 have a friend, you have to be a friend. And and when I meet people, if it's somebody I've known my whole life, it's it's a matter of playing catch up. But I really value meeting new people, and especially people that are not like me. Um, I mean, that's what I based my my whole show around was meeting people and not only because of who they are and what they do on the surface, but it's the backstory that is so, so interesting. And and right. because of that, I think I've I've been able to interact with people uh, on a on a better level. Uh, I find that when I talk and, and meet somebody and interact with somebody that is different from me different background, different upbringing, di different ethnic uh, background. It's a challenge for me because I want to speed up the process. I want to learn as much as I can to break down any barriers that might be there. And, and, and because that's the only way that we as a people can move, move forward. You said something earlier about the fact that we're all human beings. Yeah. Uh, whatever the color of, of our skin if you peel away that black skin or brown skin or yellow skin and what the the nerves, the muscles, the blood, the skeleton, it's all the same. Yep. So the you know the, the old phrase you can't tell a book by its cover. Right. That's exactly what we are as people. You don't know who that person is until you get under their skin and find out who they are and and determine how much difference you have and can those differences be bridged and probably 90, 95% of the time they absolutely can. Right. You just can't wait for it to drop into your lap. You have to reach out and develop it. I saw a post today and I don't remember exactly how it went along. It was something I was going to save, um, but our power went out 
and my browser re rebooted. And when I got back to getting where I was in Instagram, I'd lost the post, but it was something, there was two things that were kind of interesting. One of them was if you want to fix our lifetime um, and where we're at in society right now is everything you took away from it, put it back in. So one of them, one of them was God. If you take God and put it back into everything, everything will get back to, to some normalcy. Everything will get back to a little bit more, uh, more understanding to a certain degree. But then there was a comment that was posted on that was, well, why do you got to throw God in there? Right. And there was another gentleman or a lady actually that made a comment that said, why this is like picking a race color. This is like, why, why does, why doesn't all lives matter? Right. So why don't we not worry about the word God? Okay. Worry about what you believe in. Everybody believes in something. Even atheists believe in something. There, somebody has a philosophy. One culture may not like the name God, so they use Buddha. Another one uses a, a different name for Christian. We all have that nucleus that we believe in something that's there. We just may believe in it differently. Um, but the other post that I saw that was kind of interesting was, and it talked about, um, why don't you just live your life in a positivity state? Why do you have to look at everything negative? The negative comes from you. It comes from inside right here without thinking because these two right here aren't working. One has a gut feeling that listens to the heart and one has a gut feeling that listens to the mind. And if the mind wakes up in the morning and it's in a bad mood, guess what? Everything you look at and everybody you talk to always going to be negative, right? Yeah. Uh, Judge Judy often says to the people that are in her courtroom and all, and she says, I want you to listen. That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth so that you would listen more than you speak or you listen before you speak. And, and I think that, that we live, we live in too fast a paced society today where it's easy for somebody to spew something out of their mouth before listening and thinking about what they want to say and then say it in a more positive way. Yeah. Um, you know, something else that I just, uh, just, uh, read is it talks about, you know, supporting each other's, uh, ability to have their own opinion and all, uh, if we're talking about something and I have one opinion on it and you have another opinion on it, where is it written that your opinion is right and my opinion is wrong or my opinion is right and your opinion is wrong? The bottom line is both of our opinions are right because they're right for us. Right. And to engage in, in meaningful conversation to try and understand the other person's point of view to see how far off it is from yours that maybe you find that maybe there's a, a, a narrower gap between the two of you than you really thought. But if both, both are, are think that they're right and will not acknowledge the other person right to be right, then we're both wrong. So, I watched probably about, I want to go with about four years ago. I was watching uh, Dr. Phil and it was on Facebook. It was uh, probably a video he did or a post that he posted, something similar to that. And it was a special series from a very good friend of his called Tuesdays with Tom. And if you go and look up Tuesdays with Tom, you'll find it on YouTube and Google and all the, the videos and stuff are out there. But there was one particular that he did. It was a it was a research segment that he had an idea of. And it was to take a, a room of people from all different walks of life, young, middle aged, but not really old. Just it was more not like not really putting a millennial on it. Not that name, but just younger generation, a different generation. And, and he took, I think, seven to nine people. and some were Christian, some were atheists, some were gay, some were lesbian, some smoked pot, some didn't. Um, and, and most of them believed in something, some most believed in something good. There's a couple of that, that believed everything was the worst. And what he ended up doing was he, he scoured the internet and found half of those 
were the first person to post something negative on every single issue that was out there. Not the worst of the worst, but the ones that would just go and, and go, are you freaking kidding me? What an idiot. Right. right. And he ended up putting them together and he ended up talking to them. And if you go watch the series on it, this one particular show, it's about 15 to 20 minutes long. And uh, it's Tuesdays with Tom. I'm not sure if he's doing it anymore. Uh, but he put these guys in a room and they would talk. And it turns out that in the very first, the Christian guy really didn't want to have anything to do with the gay guy or any lesbians or anything because that wasn't in his Christianity. It wasn't in his beliefs, right? But by the end of the show, one of the comments that he made was, I know he's gay, but he's going to be my friend for the rest of my life. Because he didn't put the sexual orientation in the first place. He put the guy's positive attitudes. What they realized were there's a lot of differences in between each person. But Certainly. if you sat down and listened, it all made sense. When somebody just blurts things out there, it doesn't make sense. But when you sit down and actually civilize and have that conversation and talk. Perfect example, Saturday, I'm sitting at home. I see somebody makes a Facebook post on, on Facebook in a, in a private group um, for um, mud riding. And one guy spoke about wheel size. <clears throat> and I decided that, well, I'm not an expert, but I commented on that the wheels are not the same and that there's usually a smaller wheel in the front than there is a, a larger wheel in the back. And I said, but you can opt to change that when you, when you buy the vehicle. Well, the guy that commented right afterwards said, he goes, you're all wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. There are, there are different sizes. And then I was like, wait a minute. Did you not read what I said? So I, I commented back and I said, did you not read what I posted? What he didn't like was that I said yes or no. Right. If I go to the dealer, the dealer will give the smaller tire in the front and the rear. I said that. But I said you could opt to do that. Because the guy was asking kind of a two-part question. If you read his question, it was kind of a two-part. Well, the next question was, I was just trying to correct you because I don't like what you're being an idiot out there. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now we're getting a name calling. And now you're, and then he comes back and he says something else. And I said, so now what are you, a bully? He goes, and he started cussing at me. I finally, you know what? I just said, you know what? I'm, it's not worth it. I went and deleted the whole thing. And the guy that was uh, that did the message responded to me later on going, hey, what happened to all the messages? It was getting kind of heated. And I go, that's the reason why I got rid of it, because I started the conversation. So I got rid of the whole conversation because I was the instigator of that. But my point is. The first thing that people do is they forget to read correctly and listen. I'm not perfect either. There's a lot of times I don't listen to things. There's times my wife says things and I don't listen. We, we, we tune things out, whatever's going on. But it is the reality is if you do sit down and you do listen to it for a second, it's the first thing out of your mouth shouldn't be a negativity. There's a way to, to correct and it still be positive while you're educating or teaching somebody a different way. But if the first thing is going to be negative, guess what? This guy right here, I don't have time for it. And Years ago, I probably would have argued with you. If, if I just saw you out there, Stuart, and, and you were doing something and you were talking to somebody in a negative conversation and it was getting kind of heated, I might have just got myself all involved in that. Nowadays, when I see it, I'm out. I ain't got time for it. Well, it's because people like you and I have learned that word that I think is it has just disappeared from our society, and that is respect. Uh you know, you, you know, you can have your opinion and I can have my opinion and we can have a heated debate over, over that opinion, but be respectful of each other. You are, you have every right to your opinion and I do too. And if I respect your right to your opinion and you respect mine, then we can, we can talk logic. We can, we can argue like, like, two cats fighting with each other right. and then stand up from the table, shake each other's hands and then go out and have, have a cold drink. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and respect just doesn't seem to exist anymore. It's just uh, go at each other's throats and, and keep yelling and screaming until one finally says like you, 
I don't have time for this anymore, and I'm leaving. So back up the reel, and what have you accomplished? Right. It's kind of interesting because I've got a couple of friends that, like yourself, that um, I, I call, they'll be my lifelong friends. We don't always see on the same page. And I know to pick my battles. I know there's conversations when I hear it, uh, I walk away from it because I know there's no winning in certain conversations, especially when the other person's really heated. It's not the right time to come into that conversation and That's try right. to change their mind. You're absolutely right. my opinion, right? Because my opinion is I'm going to try and drive them a different direction. And that's not the right time to do that. So that respect is a huge word in how we could change society. If we could just have that respect. Case in point the other day, I saw a younger man get out of the car, walk around and open up the door for his girlfriend. Uh, and I was sitting, at, I was sitting through a drive through at the time. And I just thought, how many people are taught that? How, what mother and father is teaching their young one that there's a little bit of respect. You're going to go out with your girl tonight. Don't let her get out of that car without you open the door. Who taught that? Where did you learn that from? If we could figure that out, there's a lot of things that would fall in place if we learn respect. So I love that. So the reality is if I ask you back what your favorite word is, respect would probably be it. Yeah. Yeah, res well, respect is my new current go-to word and all, but outstanding still is 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 probably my favorite word because it's a word that can be can be defined different differently. I mean, I can you can sit down to a a really great looking plate of food and say outstanding, right? But you can also look at a friend who just accomplished something that he never thought he could ever in his life accomplish, and you look at him and he say outstanding so that that and the other the other word that also is very difficult to define and i think you'll agree to this love you know yes i, I love people uh i love pizza you know i love uh sunsets i mean i love 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 it's got so many different aspects and meanings that sometimes we forget what the essence of the word is all about so I'm glad that you picked that word, but in, in, just because you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you anyways, my favorite word right now is integrity. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to have um, a lot more than just respect. I'm looking for that positive affirmation that they are a good person, um, that they respect others, that they treat others well, and they treat them before they treat themselves. I'm looking for that integrity. Um, I'm looking for how they talk to people, how they walk, how they eat, how they treat anything that's around them, how they treat their own vehicles. You know, I'm looking for that. Um, but uh, love, love is a hard word, right? Sure. I can't tell you, I'm 54 years old. I can't tell you that when I felt comfortable as a man to tell another man or even a woman for that matter, that I love them without it looking as if I was flirting or turning the other direction, right? Because love can be used in many different ways. I've even had women come to the radio station back in the days and walk in and go, all right, I love you, honey, and walk out the door. And I, I see no disrespect. I, listen, it's all great. It's, it's how they are. Um, you know, I had a lot of people who would call me baby, and I, I let it go. It's in one ear and out the other. Appreciate the person, but that's their affection. That's how they show their love without saying L-O-V-E. So I'm glad you brought that word up because that, that I, I, I use love you a lot too. When I, when I finish a conversation with somebody, it might be one of my, my relatives. It might be a, a friend who's, who's going through some hard times. And I say, just, you know, keep a positive attitude. I'll get in touch with you in a couple of days uh, and, and just take care of yourself. I love you. It's kind of funny because um, I won't mention the person's name, but if you know me personally, you know, probably who I'm referring to, but I had a really good conversation with a good friend the other day. And, um, and, and he called me up and, and it was, a, it was probably a good 20 minute conversation. It was, and then he had to go, uh, otherwise we'd have probably talked for another hour. And, uh, I, he said something to me and I said, and I hardly ever used the word brother. It, it, I didn't serve military and all my friends use the word brother because most of my friends are, are been some military. Um, so for, to me, it's, it's that integrity. It's that respect that if I use that word, 
I didn't serve, so I'm not your brother. Um, so I, buddy is my, my go-to word. But I had said, I said, love you, brother. And the first, so it's interesting because he really felt it. But because his uh, mentality of thought process at that time was, you just told me you love me and I'm uncomfortable. So his first word was, that is so gay. Oh, and, and, and I just, you know, brush it off the shoulder and move on down the road. But then, you know, 30 minutes later on down the road, I get a text from him. And at the end of that it says, hey, love you, man. And he can't say it, can't express it, but he'll text it to me later on down the road. And let me know that, yeah, I love you too. But love is a hard word. It's hard to say it to the other person. It, it, it Because I think it's a, a word that has been misused so often that you get to the point where you wonder how sincere is somebody when they do use that word? I mean, do you just end your all your conversations with, yeah, I love you, I love you. Well, do you really, you know, do you really mean that or is that just the same thing like signing a letter with sincerely? Uh, it becomes commonplace. But we take that word, you know, far too much uh, for granted. Uh, well, I think even in marriage, there are times with my wife and I, we um, we choose to say the word, I think, at random times when it means something. But there's we we learned something a long time ago. You know, every day is 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 given to you um, to go to the next day and you've got to respect that day. And so because you don't know when your time is up, we always make the choice of doing a couple of different things at night. We, we always tell each other we love each other. We don't go to bed angry. And if we are angry, we'll fix it somehow or another. One of us tries to fix it more than the other. Usually makes the other person more angry than the other, you know, because I don't want that person to be angry. I'm not saying it's my wife's fault or, or it's my fault. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I am and she is trying to fix that situation. So we won't go to bed mad. Um, so do we say the word every night? Absolutely. Because you know what? I don't know that I'm going to be able to tell her in the morning. And, um, and so I take this life as it is. There's, you know, one of the things that come up with how, you know, when I say my, uh, my old saying is live life, don't live life, live you. Right. I love what you say on your show. Sometimes, you know, go out there and be yourself because everyone else is taken. Right. Look, you only have one life. So live it. That's right. Why be negative? Why, why be so negative that everything has to be the, the sad, the depressed, the ruined, the, uh, the, the detrimental? Why does it have to be all that? Why can't you just change your mind, control your destination, put your two feet forward, and be positive? Be the change. Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Exactly. That's also one of my favorite fr phrases, you know. Be a, you're, you're either a part of the, the problem or you're a part of the solution. And if we work together to be a part of the solution, then we eliminate the problem. One thing I read the other day, Stuart, that I think I found kind of interesting. I got started on this article and it was an article about society, where we are. Uh, why is why is everything have to be so much in hatred? Why is it that when somebody puts a word out there, for example, our politicians of what we're voting for our next president. Why are you voting for this side and this side? If you're voting for this side, you're dead to me. Right. And I'm reading this whole story and what the story was, and it, and it kind of explained where we have been in the last 15 or 20 years and where society has changed and everything. And, and this is their research. And, and it was, it was good reading it, but the last paragraph is what caught me in this. And it was, it was something that has happened every single time in the last 25 years when we've had something not go right in our way, when we've had society drastically change, when we've had something that just wasn't working out on the global scale, one thing would happen and the world would change. And it usually was something detrimental. You can take the two towers in 2001. You can take um, uh, a pandemic that comes on and, it, and a lot of thousands of people, that you, a volcano exploded, all the wildfires in California and some in Florida. 
people come together, forget about all that negativity and what's going on in our lives. Those people can't die. Those people can't suffer. Um, if we have a lot of tsunamis and hurricanes and everything come out, what, what's the first thing everybody does? Everybody lends a hand. That's right. right. Forget about the problems. Forget about that you're black or white or yellow or pink or that, you, that you're a Christian or non-Christian that you want one president versus the other president. None of that matters. Hey, you're Mark, you're Stewart. Awesome. Here's my hand. How can I help you? That's what I wish society would get more of. Well, you know, and another good example of that is the military. Yeah. If, if, if you're standing guard on the bunker line uh, uh, overnight and there's three or four other people in that bunker and one's black and one's Latino and one's Asian and one's white and one's Jewish and one's Catholic and all, it doesn't matter a hoot who is what. You are each other's brothers and you watch each other's backs. Absolutely. And the shame of it is when you leave that bunker and you leave the military and you go on with the rest of your lives, very often you lose touch with those people. And just the, like the example you said, when there's a disaster, everybody reaches out to, to, does somebody need shelter? Does somebody need food? Can I help you? Please come over here, stay with us. But when it's all over and the rebuilding begins, very often that contact dissipates and we kind of go back to the status quo. Yep. Well, Stuart, it's been a great hour and I really appreciate you coming on, spending a little time and having a little bit of fun. Thank you. Um, it was fun being on the other side of the table for a change. Yeah. I kind of, I just really, this was not, this is kind of an impromptu interview. I didn't want you to know anything about it. I just really wanted to find out a few basic things from you and, and just have the live conversation ending this show. I'm going to ask you kind of a difficult question and uh, answer it the best way you can. Um, but you know, we only have this one life to live. And if today was your last day, what would you say to everybody? What's the one thing that you would want them to carry on? Whether it's, you know, you want it to, to be a legend that you leave behind. Um, but what would that be? What would you want society to know? It's what I think I would like to have on my headstone. And that is, if I was nothing else in life, I was happy. Love it. I love it. I have not found what I want on mine, to be honest with you. I've even talked to my wife about it a couple months ago and legend comes to mind, but I want to leave a legacy and I don't know what that legacy is. Um, but one of these days I'll figure it out, but I love that. I'm glad that you figured that out. Well guys, thanks so much for, for spending the hour with us and um, uh, Brandon and thanks for a few comments that I've seen out there, but thank you so much for coming out there. There's going to be more of these shows. Um, I'll probably be very rare that a few of these will be with just one person. I'll probably have a guest, a panel people, but Stuart's been a really good friend. And um, I love that he's still doing his show today. He's still putting his heart out there to do his show. If you haven't caught up and, and paid attention to what he's been doing the last couple of years, shame on you. Um, but he does two show a week and it is something to talk about and someone you should know. And he is moving from Fridays after all these years to Wednesdays on November the 18th. Yep. Um, and, uh, it'll be the same time, 10 and 11, but um, but not on Friday. So we're moving it two days earlier um, to change with the schedules and everything. And it's whole new things are going to come out with him. Um, but sure. Thank you so much for being a friend. Uh, I'm so glad that I could help you and get you where you need to go. And I'm glad that this radio and this advertising and this whole video thing, I'm, I'm so glad that it's working out to for you to be able to continue to have that voice. And thank you for giving me the platform to do it. Absolutely. Well, guys, I always say one thing to a lot of people, if you know me, and I, and I say it very respectfully. I put a lot of thought into it over the years. It wasn't uh, a line that I came up with overnight. This was something that happened over years. But live life. Don't let life live you. It's as easy as that. It's as hard as that, too, because if you think about the words, I've got a lot of people that will ask me, what does that mean? Well, what does it mean to you when you say it? Live life. Don't let life live you. If you're depressed, you're upset, frustrated, uh, things are not going your way, you feel like you've taken a left turn and you should have taken a right turn, none of that matters. You have two feet, you have one brain, you have two sets of eyes, and you have two sets of ears, and you can only move forward. And the only mistake is when you look back and not focus on your future. 
that's where you need to be today. That's my last comments for the day. Live life, don't live life with you. Stuart, thank you. Take care. Appreciate you guys, and I will see you next time right here on Living Life.